Good morning. Welcome to TNT Devos. Hey, my name is Jeremy. I'm the Webster Campus Pastor. It is great, great, great to be here with you this morning. Right out of the gate, let me take care of a couple of things. First off, camps are signing up still. Um, we would love to have your students and your kids go to camp with us this summer. If you have not signed up, go ahead and jump on there and do that. Um, if you're having some trouble financially, uh, when we have some incredibly generous givers at New Hope uh, who make it a, uh, possible for us to send kids to camp every single summer. Uh, so we've got some scholarship money set aside. We'd love to help you. Don't, don't be ashamed of, of needing it. Don't, don't hesitate to ask for it, man. Let us help you get your kids to camp. We believe so strongly in the value of camp and a time away that helps build the character of Christ uh, in them. So jump into that. Uh, the other thing is over the next several weeks, you're going to see some tailgates rolling out at the campuses, uh, tailgate areas. Uh, those are specific places for you to bring your ones. We've been talking about bringing that friend, uh, that person that's away from the Lord. Man, I would encourage you use that tailgate area, take them in there. It's all kinds of fun. You're going to see them get built out. They've got AstroTurf and got cornhole and Madden and drinks and snacks and all kinds of great, just great things in there. Take, take your one in there. Introduce them to a few people, let them get to know a little about the church, and we're going to put them on a pathway uh, that, that very quickly takes them through uh, several steps in their life, including the chance to get baptized, uh, follow Christ into the water, uh, and make a public declaration of their faith. So uh, if you'd love to see that in some of your friends, man, come join us at a tailgate. It's at your campus. We'll be live there in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we would love to have you guys be part of that. Also, confession from my soul this morning. Um, in a moment of weakness today, I've traded in my morning water run through coffee grounds uh, for water run through tea leaves and sweetened with sweet cane sugar. So I'm drinking on a little sweet tea this morning instead of my, my normal coffee. I hope you guys can forgive me. At least it's in a New Hope cup. I feel like that probably makes up for the, the problem here. Um, hey, listen, we're, we're walking through these, these parables. I told you early on as we, as we led into it, this was going to be a journey. Uh, the parables take us a lot of places, a lot of places that sometimes we forget that, uh, that we've gone. Other times, places that we've tried to avoid in our life. So uh, just check in. How's the journey going? You guys doing okay? A uh, reminder that parables are these, these word pictures about earthly things that tell us about, a he about, about heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and how it works and how it looks uh, in the day-to-day -day life that we get to live. So today we're going to tackle one about a Pharisee and a tax collector, two of the most loved people in any culture. Uh, uh, so we're going to tackle that one. But let me pray for us, and then we'll get right into it. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Uh, thank you for these parables that you've given us, uh, guide, guide stones for us as we go through life, Lord, uh, markers for us to remember, oh, yeah, do this. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Check your heart over here. Lord, thank you that these parables are simple for us to understand and yet are so packed full of meaning and teachable moments. God, help us as we learn about the Pharisee and the tax collector today. Um, help us to uh, learn what you need us to learn out of this. Maybe our behavior coming out of this look different than it, it did going in, Lord. Maybe look more like you and less like us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So parable of the tax collector um, and the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke chapter 18, if you want to turn there. Um, this one's kind of funny because from the title, it seems like uh, it would be kind of difficult to understand who the villain is in this and who the superhero is in it. Uh, the super, so, you know, who's the, who's the hero? Is it the super self-confident self religious leader who spends his days nitpicking people about how they don't measure up to him and they never measure up to God and all that other kind of stuff? Uh, or is it the guy who regularly enriches himself uh, by overcharging his own people, his own Jews? Um, that's what tax collectors did. If you owed 100 bucks in taxes to Rome, uh, they would charge you 100 and something, say 150. They'd pocket the 50, give Rome the 100, and they uh, enrich themselves on the back of everyone else. And so they were kind of a co-conspirator for Rome, who the Jews had no love for at all. 
So going into it, the Pharisee and the tax collector, who's the good guy? Eh, let's go see together. Uh, Luke chapter 18, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. Uh, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. I love that, that <laughs> we have to describe him as a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it seems pretty straightforward, right? Straightforward story. But you and I aren't first century Jews. I don't think any of us are anyway. Uh, so I, they would have experienced this story quite a bit differently than we experienced it. So for starters, their culture revered Pharisees as protectors of the religion uh, and the culture of Judaism. They didn't love them, but they revered them as the leaders and protectors of those two things. And the only people who loved tax collectors uh, would be their mamas. And even they didn't all love their kids who were tax collectors. So the setup is this. You've got a well-respected leader of culture and religion, feared even leader of culture and religion on one side. Uh, and on the other side, you've got this hated co-conspirator uh, with Rome on the other side. So it sounds like we're in for a pretty good showdown. Uh, sounds like we're in for a great story, except we cheated, didn't we? We already know how it ends. We read to the very end of it. Uh, the Pharisee leaves unforgiven. The tax collector leaves forgiven. Uh, the one who is widely accepted in society loses, while the one who is not allowed to testify even in court under, under uh, the, the Jewish law at the time uh, and under Mosaic law, under the law of the temple, he a tax collector was considered unredeemable. Like they, he couldn't even redeem himself no matter what he did. But he's the one that comes out smelling like a rose. Uh, so forgiven, justified, highly praised by Jesus even. Uh, so here's a little fun fact about the prayer that the Pharisee prays. I love this prayer. Uh, I love it because of how much it teaches us about who we are. Uh, but the phrase that is translated oftentimes other people, uh, uh, when he says, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, that phrase, other people, it literally means the remainders. Uh, I don't know what the worst thing that you've ever been called is, the worst thing that's ever been said about you is. But if someone ever seriously called you a remainder, I've got a feeling that that's going to stick with you for quite some time. You know what? You're not a remainder. You, my friend, are the creation of the God of the universe who knew you before uh, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows the numbers of your days before he calls you to heaven. Um, he knows what makes you laugh and what makes you cry. He knows what brings a smile to your face. Um, he knows what brings fear to your heart. You are a loved one of the most high God, the creator of the universe. You are not a remainder or a mistake, no matter what anyone else has ever said about you. He loves you. You are loved. You're his. That's the deal. So there's a clear lesson in this parable on how we're to approach God, right? Uh, with humility and a recognition that we don't deserve a relationship with him, and the only way we can enter into that relationship now is through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Um, not through our good deeds, not that we shouldn't do good and great deeds, but we do them because of our love for God and not to earn the love of God. Um, it's because of that relationship that we already have with him. And uh, there's no doubt one of the major takeaways here is how easy it is uh, to look around sometimes, how tempting it is to look around and say, well, at least I'm not like 
so-and-so, fill in the blank. Remember the Pharisee who says, at least I'm not like the social outcast, the remainder. That one over there, God, that's such a powerful line in the middle of all this as a reminder for us not to, to be like that. So uh, the lesson inside of that for me is this. Uh, first off, none of us are who society says we are. They don't get to define us. We are who God says we are. Society speaks loud, often, and often negative. But God whispers. and He says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And in a culture that defines us and divides us by our politics and what generation we're a part of, uh, Gen Z versus Millennial versus Boomer versus X, uh, they, they define us by what gender we are and a million other pieces of Census Bureau data. God still looks on our heart. He looks on your heart. He looks on my heart. That's still where he goes. And when your heart says, well, at least I'm not like fill in the blank, I'm going to give you a suggestion this morning. Stop for a second. Repent of that inward attitude. Repent of that conversation before it becomes an outward attitude, an outward conversation, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And your mouth will, I promise you. As a uh, participant in this process for many, many years in my life, your mouth will, when you least expect it, declare publicly what you think and dwell on privately. It will declare publicly what you think and dwell on privately. I know mine has done that, and I would say mine has betrayed me, except it only revealed me. So when you're in the situation, you say, at least I'm not, mm, hit the brakes on the journey and say, God, what about my heart? Check my heart inside of all this. Compare yourself only to God. And when you do that, man, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to stay really, really, really humble. And stay that, stay that way. Stay in that posture of humility, especially when you go to God in prayer. Especially when you go to God in prayer. Um, remember, though, that humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's thinking about other people and, and what makes them happy and, and how we can serve them. Um, when given this incredible chance to speak to God, the Pharisee decides he's going to spend his time talking about himself and how great he is. The tax collector takes the time to talk about God and how great he is. What's your prayer life look like? Is it a lot about you? Is it a lot about your stuff? What about your everyday conversation? Do you talk a lot about you or a lot about God? Do you tell others how great you are? Or do you tell others how great God is? Which do you talk about more? Do you, do you act like God's almost uh, lucky to have you on his team, let's say? Or do you tell other people about how great God is and who, how much he loves them and called them by name, just as he called you by name? So one of these men went home justified, forgiven. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, Jesus tells us. Uh, and when God does the humbling, friends, let me tell you, look out. Because in my life, if my life is any reflection to your life at all, in my life, God's humbling bumps up against humiliation. His humbling uh, becomes humiliating in my life because I think I'm everything. And then all of a sudden, God strikes me down. But the opposite is true. For those that humble themselves, God says, I dwell in the high and holy place. So my seat is in heaven, God says but also with him who is contrite and of humble spirit. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, if you want to look it up. So God says, I dwell in the high and the holy place, the God of all the universe, but I hang out with people that are contrite and humble. 
It's a long way to get here, but let me kind of sum it up and I want to pray for us. So the summary is this. No one's unredeemable. Not you, not me, no one. No one's unredeemable. You are not what others say you are. You are what God says you are, and God is awesome. That's kind of the summary of the parable. No one's unredeemable. You are not what others say you are. You are what God says you are, and God is pretty awesome. Okay? Let me pray for us this morning, and let's go take on a Tuesday. Father, thank you so much um, that you lay out the parameters for how we're to live in this life in this parable, in humility and in deference to others around us, and humility as we approach you. God, thank you that part of what we can walk away from with today is that you want us to talk to you. You don't rebuke the Pharisee for talking. You rebuke him for what he says. So God, may we embrace the moments where we get to talk to you. And then Lord, let's, let's spend those moments telling you about you and declaring the greatness of God and not the goodness of us. Father, thank you for this incredible community, this online community of New Hopers all over the place who are such strong encouragers to me and to everyone who logs in and participates in these TNT Devos. Thank you for their faithfulness to you. Lord, um, direct and guide their paths today. Direct and guide their words so that they're about you and not us. Um, may we take opportunities to tell other people how great you are and what a joy it is to serve in your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me remind you, no one's unredeemable. You're not what others say you are. You are what God says you are. And God is awesome. New Hope, I love you. Go have a great Tuesday. Look forward to seeing you on Thursday.